Hey there, Syntax Surgeons and Lexical Lab Rats. Welcome back to another episode of The Right Shift. I'm your host, Tim King, here to navigate you through the pulse racing ER ward that is freelance copywriting. Whether you are a freshman still in awe of your first surgery-sized assignment or a seasoned professional who's witnessed it all, this is the place for you. Together we'll traverse the highs, the lows, and everything in between of this adrenaline-infused, caffeine-driven odyssey. So strap in, grasp your favorite mug of intellectual infusion, and prepare to immerse yourself in the another tale from the chaotic, captivating world of freelance copywriting. Welcome to The Right Shift. Alright people, I'm excited to bring you another engaging conversation today with a titan of our industry and I have the absolute pleasure of introducing a guest whose work has been making waves in the health copywriting scene, Nerissa Bentley. Also known as the Melbourne Health Copywriter, Nerissa is here to share her insights today with us. Now, Nerissa doesn't just sling words, she crafts credible, evidence-based, APRA-compliant health copy that allows her clients to connect meaningfully with their audiences. From national organizations to global corporations, from healthcare practitioners to patients, Nerissa's words help her establish her clients as trusted authorities in their respective fields. So today, without further ado, let's hear it for the copywriter who seamlessly blends scientific accuracy with engaging storytelling, the one, the only, Nerissa Bentley. Welcome to The Right Shift. Oh, thanks, Tim. That's a great intro. I love that. Thank <laughs> no, no you. Problem. Not all right. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so tell me, uh, Nerissa, you've, you've been in the industry for quite a while now. Yes. How did you actually get started freelance copywriting? Well, like most copywriters, I fell into it by accident. So I'd never set out to be a copywriter. I didn't even know that what I was doing for many, many years beforehand was actually copywriting. Um, so I, I, I went to uni, <clears throat> um, got a degree in journalism, communication studies, came out of that going, I don't want to work as a journalist. It's a bit too cutthroat. So then I kind of moved into, I started working for some health um, organisations doing general admin, event management. Um, then I kind of moved into other organisations and added a few more things to my skill set. So, you know, social media and all those kinds of things. Not that we had a lot of social media back then. Um, and then I went on maternity leave and had my children. And while I was a stay-at-home mum, um, I saw an, an ad for a work at home writer. That was the ad in, in the paper. So this is a, a way back. Um, and it was for a corporate wellness company. So I did that for a couple of years, part-time from home, which was fantastic. And then they made my job redundant, wanted me to be full-time in the office, which didn't really fit in with my family. So I had to, you know, decline that one. And then I thought, what do I do now? You know, how am I going to earn some money? So I decided to go out on my own and um, didn't even realise what I was doing was copywriting at that point. And I very much was a generalist. So anybody with a pulse and a wallet was my client. Um, and then it was only when a friend of mine who I'd recently met, she said, oh, you're a copywriter, aren't you? And I kind of went, um, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> So it was very much by accident and by um, many, many years of experience starting to sort of evolve and become a copywriting career. Yeah, right. I, I love I love the way you've said that, a pulse and a wallet, because it is <laughs> it, it does feel like that right at the very start when you when you start doing the, the just offering services online, you're like, oh, uh, you've got money. Good. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, come on in. I love it when a client often says, um, you know, I'll, you ask them, who's your target audience? And they go, oh, you know, is, it, is anyone with money? It's pretty much the same thing, right? 
what actually got you into even journalism to begin with? Was it something that was a childhood dream for to be a writer, or did you were you were you on the on the fast track from like you know prepped in grade one? You just like, yep, yeah, this is what I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> well, my dream was always to be a writer as a ki- as a child. Um, but back then I always just thought that being a writer was writing fiction. You know, it was just novelist. There was no other kind of writing. Um, and I was really good at English. Like I, I, I can ace anyone at Scrabble. I'm great at words and spelling and English. And English was my favourite subject at school where everybody else hated it. And I did really well. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a Bachelor of Arts, major in journalism because I get to write. Um, and then... So I, I got all my skills and, and studied communication and things like that. But the actual experience of what a, a working journalist was like, even on campus, was really not what I was after. So, um, yeah, I've always wanted to work with words, writing and things. And so I kind of, you know, I am living my dream. I get paid to write. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think that that whole, um, you know, starting out by writing fiction is, is a it's, Maybe not the most common front door for copywriters, but I think it's a, a place where a lot of us do start. I mean, even myself, I, I had this, I think I turned 30 and I was just like working a corporate job going like, oh, what can I do on the side? You know, I love writing. I've always loved writing. Found some old writing of mine um, from when I was like back in high school or something. and went like, oh, I could probably do this again and just have a crack. Just started doing it myself on a, like a really ad hoc basis trying to get it published and stuff and then yeah you know that dream dies pretty quickly when you realize it's not, not going to lead you anywhere um, from a monetary value um and you know i eventually realized what i was doing in an older business was actually copywriting and you know just restarted it again once i had the opportunity so look, i think it's a really common a common front door um to, to get in that way tell me um what, what's your writing routine look like? Because you, you've obviously, you know, a highly structured individual. You've got to work really, really uh, heavy topics sometimes. It's got to be very compliant kind of copywriting for, for mm-hmm. medical and, and health-based purposes. How do, you, how do you start your day? What do you do? How do you get into the mindset and, and the flow of, of writing like that? Yeah, look, that's a very good question. So I start my day the same every day. I get up and I go for a walk with my dog. Um, so I might listen to music, I might listen to a podcast, I might listen to an audible book, but I'm always, I don't, the only time I look at my phone is to turn on my runkeeper and, um, my audible, I don't look at my phone until after breakfast. So that time to me is really good. Um, you know, I'm doing something for myself, but it also starts that creative process, um, in the back of your mind, I find. Um, so then I come home, have my breakfast, um, and while I'm sort of starting my day, like I always have an idea of what I'm going to tackle in my day. So I, you know, use Google Calendar quite a lot. That's one of my secret powers is, you know, I schedule everything. So I know what I'm, you know, I, I allocate time in my schedule to work on particular projects. So I already come in with that mindset. Okay, I've got to write a website today or I've got to write an article today or I've got to conduct an interview today. So um, it helps me get that into that right frame of mind for the work that I'm doing um and then I just kind of sit there and you know I stick to my schedule pretty pretty well um because you know if I don't um I'm not going to be able to deliver on deadlines and things but I I also make sure that I do mix things around so if I've had a you know doing a lot of thinking work in the morning or a lot of researching then I might do a bit more admin stuff in the afternoon because my brain just will not you know, operate at that 100% level all the time. Um, 
you know research and then there's creativity and then sometimes you just need a bit of you know that dead time in your day um so you don't burn up all your creative juices because otherwise you end up sitting there for four hours and you've got nothing done because you you brain is just not working the way it needs to work for that particular task it's usually about the time i i grab my fourth and fifth cup of coffee i think keep <laughs> myself sort of running um at that point okay well so like that's different can you can you describe i suppose a lot of people probably wouldn't have been so familiar with the concept of writing specifically in such a, a driven niche is what you write in mm. rather than like as you said a lot of people are quite generalist where you started off as quite generalist i know i'm still fairly generalist in that kind of sense what is it um, like that's different about health copywriting particularly to say like just, you know, writing blogs or, or you know, doing other general client work in a copywriting sense? Yeah. Um, so look, health and medical writing, there is, a, you have to pay a lot more attention to getting your facts and figures straight and correct. Um, and obviously if you're writing something important about health information for consumers, you need to make sure that it's accurate. So it's about where you do you source your material from. So being careful about um, where you get that information from and which are reputable sources and which are not. Um, and then of course, when writing for health practitioners in Australia, um, you know, they're, most of them um, are regulated by APRA, which is the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency. So they have rules and regulations about what they can and cannot say in their advertising. Um, and when we talk about advertising, it's anything they do to bring attention to their services. So it can be social media, TikTok, website, a whole lot of different things. So looking at copy with that lens on and knowing how to create that copy that is going to be engaging for patients but still compliant with the regular regulatory body and then there's the other layer of unpacking that really sometimes very complex and convoluted medical jargon information and rewriting it in a way that most people can understand it and not feel overwhelmed and need a thesaurus every, you know, three or four words to work out, well, what does that word mean? And what does that word mean? So um, it's it's a very different kind of writing, I find. it's um, There's a lot more um, regulation, I guess. And, you know, you, you are very edgy with your writing and, you know, I, I just love the way that you write, but your style of writing is you know, you can't do that with oh, health it, medical. It, it wouldn't work in the medical industry no, unless, unless it was like not. I don't know. Like I, I, I think if I was if I was to write for the medical industry, it would feel like I was selling snake oil every minute of the day. <laughs> um, and it's one of the reasons why I definitely don't. I, I, I don't uh, don't attract that type of type of client, and I also you know don't also pursue them as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, I, I'm I'm not a great edgy writer. Um, I'm very much a rule follower by nature. So this kind of work really works well with me. And I think when you're, you know, starting out with your copywriting and deciding whether or not you're going to niche or not, you know, it took me five years to niche. I've only been niched for five years, right? So um, if you're going to niche, it has to be something that you really love and you can see yourself doing over and over and over. But it has to be something that you're actually good at. Um, and so my... Um, the way I work and my personality and all of those kinds of things and my interests very much support what I do in my work. So um, I, I love it. But other people would say, oh, I can't think of anything worse than writing about kidney disease or diabetes or all these other, you know, horrendous heart health conditions that people have. 
yeah, that I'm going to put my hand up. That'd be me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, it's not the it's not the the gory nature of it or anything like that. I think it's just um, yeah, like uh, I I come from a finance background myself, so I know what like overly technical writing can look like from that kind of thing. And yeah, I I gave that away many mm. years ago now. So I'm uh I'm I'm very very um. Uh, thankful that I don't have to fight that kind of thing on a, on a pretty regular basis. You, you were talking before about, you know, obviously that switch between journalism and into copywriting. You, know, you found yourself as a pathway through, um, you know, picking up a few of those first early jobs that you had. Um, what were some of the, the like the aha moments? Those moments where you've just gone like, ah, this is it for me, or you know, the moment where you knew that um, the copywriting journey was not just for you, but specifically the health copywriting journey. What, what was what were those kind of points like? Yeah, look, um, as I said, I started out as a generalist, but I had come from working with a corporate wellness company for three and a half years. So I had got a lot of grounding in that area, but obviously starting out brand new, I was, you know, needed money. So I'd take on all kinds of clients and I was lucky enough to land with an agency that don't exist in the current, in the same model now, but they gave me quite a lot of work and it, and they could see my skill in being able to do health and medical. So they kept giving me more of those clients. And I thought that's when I went, hey, you know what, I love this kind of work and I'm really good at it. And I find it easy because of that three and a half years I'd spent already doing that. And I just started to attract more and more of those through the agency, but also in, you know, when I was sort of doing my marketing and in my terrible website at the time. Um, and I kind of went, you know what, I want to do more of that. And so I decided I'm going to niche and I'm going to rebrand and I'm going to redo my website and I'm going to now just just focus on health and medical and have a look back. This is a good follow on. Um, I've got probably got a couple of questions here really, but how long did it take you to actually like feel that you were niched in, that you were enough? Like that it was that a was that like an arduous process to niche? Was it something to that you know you've spent many sleepless nights doing, or was it pretty easy for you to be able to just go, look, I'm just doing this. Yeah, I was pretty easy because I'd, I'd done five years of generalist and I was like, oh, I really hate that. I don't like writing real estate. I don't like writing homewares. I don't like writing this and that. And and it was like, you know what, just what if you can write, every, you know, write the stuff you love all the time? And I went, oh, that's so, really so cool. So for you, it was more about getting that just like really lasered into that, that this is what I want to wake up and do in every morning. You know, I know, I know over my cup of coffee in the morning, this is, this is the stuff I want to read. I want to write it. I want to just live it. I love yeah. that. That's, yeah. That's a, and look, a, you know, there's some, um, there's so much variety within health and medical people think it's very, very narrow, but I get to write patient information. I get to, you know, do editing of clinical guidelines. I've just done a project where I had to take all these really complex clinical guidelines and turn them into a consumer you know, consumer-friendly version of them. I get to write web copy for health practitioners. Um, there's and and the subject matter, like you know, I can write anything from head lice right through to serious stuff about ovarian cancer genetics. Do you know what I mean? So there's a such a big sliding scale there as well. So there is so much variety in health and medical, but at the end of the day, what I love is that my words actually make a difference to people who need help in understanding and. Um, acting on health information because they're going through something and they actually need good quality information to help them through their patient journey. Uh, that's what we call it in our world, the patient journey. Um, and, and that can be quite overwhelming and confusing for a lot of people. So I get to be on that journey with them and make it easier for them by creating right, copy I, that I, is easy to understand. 
I, I love that you've got such a definitively you know, simple way to be able to put how you niche and what you niche. I think that's that's one thing I've definitely struggled with is is in the past how like I, I, technology is often a big thing for me, so I could easily like niche into technology. I think. Am I interested in that? Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I sort of also like working with lifestyle brands and other, other things as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, I don't want to try and cut my my nose off despite the face in that kind of sense um, by just niching in one particular vertical. But I, I really like the fact you've got a very clean way of describing that as well. I think that's a that's an important thing that copywriters should eventually get to, of course, mm-hmm. as they've had, had time. The other thing I love there, you just said, um, you know, you, I think you started the sentence with the word head lice and, and I, this <laughs> The quirky copywriter in me just went like, um, you could have like, there's a marketing campaign in there, head lice, not just headlines or something. It's some, just something <laughs> around that, you know, not, headlines, about, I don't know. I, I could I could pontificate about that all day, but I. I'm sure I, you'll come up with something really great. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe. And look, maybe we could work on that some point in, in the future. Um, talking about the future. Yeah. What do you think about this whole rise of AI in copywriting? Yeah. And just, and just and it was obvious, an obvious question that's going to be coming out on podcast. Course, so, you know, absolutely. What do you think about it? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm I'm really really overhearing about it. To be honest, um, I know it's here to stay. So I, I, I'm not one of these people going, no, no, we need to go back to the dark ages. However, um, for the kind of work that I do, look, I can see that there are benefits for some people to use it. And it certainly is, I found it helpful in, um, you know, I've, I've played around with it and it's helped me come up with some good ideas on social media posts and things like that. But for the kind of work that I do, I wouldn't use um, AI to generate my, my copy. Um, you know, I have to be very careful that I'm actually sourcing information from the right sources, I have to make sure that it is patient friendly, that it's, um, you know, written in plain language. And I have to make sure that it complies with all the, um, you know, advertising legislation around the APRA guidelines. Um, the other thing that, um, that the AI can't really do is check fact che- is do fact checking with references. So, you know, in, with, um, with APRA, there are particular rules about what kind of evidence that you can reference and you have to be able to you know discern which scientific studies are going to be appropriate or not and I don't think AI can do that and it certainly can't sort of get into the patient's head about you know how would they be feeling if they've just been diagnosed with cancer you know it's writing health and medical information is very personal because we're dealing with people and very very personal things that are happening with their body Um, so I don't feel threatened that my job is going to be taken off me from AI because, you know, look, it's, it's like a tool, isn't it? You know, just because you've got a box of tools doesn't make you a carpenter. You need to know what those tools are, how to use them, when to use them and how to use them effectively and when not to use them. Um, and AI is just another tool in our ever-expanding copywriting toolbox. Um, and I think if you just rely on one tool, it's, you know, you're not going to be able to produce good copy, just like a builder doesn't just rely on a hammer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. And it's something like I, I was talk, I talk about AI a lot, as you probably heard me yeah. talk about before. But um, you know, like the way I look at it is uh, that just because you drink coffee doesn't mean to make it doesn't make you a great barista. Um, just because you can can use ChatGPT or one of these other AI tools to be able to put a single sentence in and it punches out you know a hundred words or something doesn't make it any good at all. It still takes the effort and the time and the finesse of a copywriter to really you know, dive back into that those words. Great as a starting point, good for the ideation and generation. Um, 
but shouldn't be the thing you just push publish on that's for sure no that's right and you, you know there's we've got to remember too that ai it's it's artificial intelligence so it's 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 drawing upon what's already out there and if we're going to be you know we need to be more creative and and look there's great content out there but there's also really great content that hasn't been produced yet because it's still in all our brain swirling around and i think if you just rely on a tool that's just regurgitating everybody else's ideas it kind of cuts off that element of creativity that we could be bringing to our copy ourselves yeah i, I agree it's one of those things like that that concept of you know nascent creativity that um AI kind of short circuits in some cases. I've, I've read some really interesting perspectives on it where people have said, you know, AI tools or copywriting tools or, you know, just creativity tools, um, is that actually stifling the creativities of, of, of other people? And I think in part, like anyone who's been highly creative initially, who've adopted those AI tools, it, yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I mean, even um, I've, I've adopted a few in my practices and sometimes I'll go like, oh, I just need to think about this thing. Hey, chat GPT, rather than going, maybe I should actually just get a pen and paper out and just start working through what that looks like. So I, I kind of use a mix of, of the two together to, to come up with where I, I, I go to. But um, yeah, it's interesting you say about the creativity part of it and just that, that, that mm. the ideas swirling around sort of they, they would, they get a bit watered down, I suppose, by that, that ease of use of a, of a command just in a, a, an AI tool somewhere. Yeah. And look, you know, I, I um, came out of uni in the early 1990s, so I'm showing my age now. So, but back then it was very much pen and paper. I was a pen and paper girl for a long, long time. And just that physical holding a pen and making marks on a paper is part of the creative process. And I think um, people who have grown up with that and who have worked in that way find the AI, it's like, oh, where's the, where's the touchy feely, you know, that yeah. um, yep. creative part of, getting the pen and paper out and that's not there but you know younger generation who've always had laptops and things may not be missing that at all so yeah and, and i think that it could be a, a generational thing but there's you know i suppose only time will, will really tell all right i hope you've been enjoying the episode so far we'll be back with narissa after this well, my word-wielding comrades, we all know that one of the trickiest parts of freelance copywriting isn't drafting a killer headline or crafting compelling content. It's figuring out how much to price our work, right? Are we charging too little? Too much? Who knows? Just imagine that you had a crystal ball that could reveal what your fellow copywriters around the globe are charging. Well, my friends, get ready to peek into that crystal ball thanks to our sponsor this week, CopywritingRates.com. CopywritingRates.com is spearheading a global freelancer rates survey with the noble goal of demystifying the often confusing world of copywriting pricing. By compiling data on global copywriting pricing, they aim to arm us all with valuable information about our position in the market. So whether you're that fledgling freelancer questioning every quote you give, or the seasoned pro wondering if you could be earning more, this survey is your golden ticket to a treasure trove of insights. And the best part? By participating, you'll receive a free copy of the final report. Yes, you heard me right. Insight into the global pricing trends of our industry, completely free if you participate in the survey. So join the ranks of freelance copywriters around the globe who are stepping up to gain clarity and confidence in their pricing strategies. After all, knowledge is power. And this, my friends, is the ultimate power-up for your freelance journey. Head over to copywritingrates.com and make your voice heard. 
Okay, look, you know what? It's time for you to tear off the Band-Aid. Tell me about a nightmare you've had to face in your copywriting career. Obviously, like, take the names out. Don't, 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 like, you know, perjure yourself with, with anything. But, um, yeah, like, did you manage to to patch it up at the end? Did it, like, oh, tell me all about it. I have a story to tell you. So this is way back in my early days before I'd niched. Um, I and I'll just preface all of this because this is why it was a nightmare. So I didn't have really great processes. I didn't have watertight terms and conditions, um, and I was still very much in that way of you know I just want to help everybody. Um, now I understand I can't help everybody, and it's okay. So this particular client came to me, um, wanted me to, to write their web copy. And initially they said, look, you know, they're working in the, you know, um, naturopath space. So they're wanting to sort of highlight their services. Um, so I said, oh, yeah, okay, we can certainly do that. And then, you know, once we sort of kicked off things, then she started saying, now I also want to, you know, highlight my doula services and I also want to, I've got cake making service and I've also got, so there was all these extra add-ons of services that wow, she wasn't yeah. even clear about what she was doing. And that was a red flag, maybe number two. Um, I think, she, you know, in the initial back and forth, she was a bit um, very, very busy, um, could never really pin her down to do, to sign off things. And um, so we were very busy. Then we didn't really know what we wanted, but we wanted everything. Um, and then, and she'd given me, um, the copy that she'd already had on her website. So I sort of use that as a base, you know, not to that we just use it, but it's like, you know, it gives you information about her business, what she's focusing on and all those kinds of things. Um, so I sent that first draft and she questioned why I had to change what was on her website. She really liked what she had best, better than what I had written. And, you know, we've done through the SEO and stuff. And then she asked why we couldn't just plug in SEO words. And so this is like, oh, by now it's like red flag number four, but I, you know, just ignored it because it'll be better. I can pull it all together. Um, so then we had a lot of back and forth and she was always busy, um, was telling me all kinds of personal stuff um, in her life going on, like house inspections and birthday parties and excuses as to why she couldn't actually review copy. And then I got one version back that was half reviewed because she had to go to bed and that's all she could do. So... <laughs> Um, we kind of trying to get through all of that. And then, you know, we got to a place where she said, yeah, I'm happy with that copy. Um, so I said, great. You know, um, she'd already paid me half up front. And then she said, okay, you know, I'm going to pay the balance in two installments. Um, back then, you know, the, the copy was, the, the payment was due within 14 days. So she said, I'll pay the first one in seven days and the second one in 14 days. I went, cool, no worries. And then she didn't pay the second installment. So once I contacted her, everything was wrong with the copy after she'd said it was all fantastic I, I and she'd bet, written yeah. in the margins about i think this is only worth x amount which is what she paid and all the rest of it and she wanted me to fix it and oh, charge wow. her less and then she wanted to know why i hadn't written sales pages for her um like it was not it was like complete disaster so in the end i went you know what this is not worth it so i kindly said to her i still own copyright until you pay me but you can have it now and I'm not doing any more changes and I'm not changing, charging that extra bit of money. Yeah. Take it now and pretty much leave me alone. Um, or if you want me to do it, you pay me first. Well, she then came back, oh, well, I'm going to look into how I'm going to recoup my costs and you'll be hearing from me and da 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 da, da. And, of course, I heard nothing back from her because everything, yeah, was, yeah. you know, back and forth. Yeah. So 
that all came about because I, you know, naively ignored red flag after red flag after red flag. And I couldn't wait to be done with her. Um, the other thing that I found out during the writing of her copy, and I kind of got one back, is that she was claiming to be a practitioner of a couple of different types of practitioners when she hadn't actually got the qualifications she was still studying and she wow. claimed that she had it on her website so of course I rang those regulatory bodies and let them know they all come back on her website so we're like you know what you, you can maybe get away with not paying me but you're not going to get away with me knowing that you're not an accredited practitioner yeah I mean that, that's that's the kind of thing like I mean a person putting out a copy or putting things out and just into the world and when they're not accredited they don't have the the right I mean like there's a duty of care that as the, even just as a person as a, just a, off the street you've got let alone as a copywriter who's seeing this regularly and understands the implications yeah. so that's huge yeah, yeah. Right, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you managed to to pull that back. It sounds nightmarish with the whole. Uh, oh no, I'm, I'm putting in the margins of. You, I, I think you've I've paid you enough for this bit stuff, but then please yeah. write me sales pages. Like what? Yeah. Like, the, what, <laughs> what am I getting for my money? I'm like, oh, that's a yeah. But you know, since I tighten up all my processes and my I've got better at boundaries and all of that kind of stuff, I don't attract that kind of client anymore. I haven't yeah, had sure. any more of those, um, and. The first time, first red flag that I, you know, see or hear, we don't proceed. I've just yeah, learned fair. to live with my gut and go, you know what? I know this is not going to go well, so we're not even going to go down that path. It's such an important thing to learn is just that 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 gut feel and to be able to to you know you, you kind of feel almost like you know your your hard boiled detective kind of like you know guy with a gut feel. Oh, it's going to be this <laughs> um, because you know you're right. You can just go down the line with with copywriting projects that uh that eventually you know they're just going to fall to pieces like you you see one red flag run one becomes five becomes seven red flags and you're like oh god this is just going to be yeah. i mean terrible what about a time where you've written or, or just you know your most favorite project where your words have worked some absolutely serious magic what, what about one of those well i've i've had lots of those let's be you know because i as i said i get really really great clients now so um but there's there's two can i tell, tell you about two um, yeah, for sure. One one was that I was um, doing some contract work for for Jean Hales for Women's Health. So they're like you know the premier digital gateway for women's health information in Australia. So I did some contract work for them for a couple of years, and then they came to me and said they loved what I did so much. Would I work with them on a more permanent basis for two days a week? So um, I am working with them two days a week at the moment, and they are fantastic organisation, um, and they're they really align well with me because they're very much, you know, research and evidence-based um, when we're creating content. So, um, you know, they wouldn't have asked me to work with them if they didn't like what I did. Um, and the other one is I worked with a an allied health practitioner. Um, I'm going to be careful what I say here because there was a bit of legality in that um, person. So it's, it's a case study on my website. So basically um, he asked me to... You know, help him create content on a website on his website about um, health benefits using a particular medical device that he had introduced to his practice. And so, when I was looking at all of the um, advertising material that the company had given him, none of those studies stacked up against APRA. Like there was twenty different studies, right. and none of them were compliant. And so. Um, it turned out that the medical device was actually harming patients. Um, so my oh, wow. my client then said, I want a refund and this is happening. 
um, and where's the evidence? And they dodged, you know, kept dodging around the issues. And so they refunded the money, but then they reported him to APRA as um, a bad practitioner. Um, oh, wow. So he was then told he was going to have to go to court and go to the court case, et cetera, et cetera. But he had kept impeccable records and I had actually written a report um, looking at every bit of evidence that they were claiming to use to advertise this product and explaining why it was not APRA compliant. So he gave that to APRA and they looked through that report. They looked all over my website and then they dismissed the case Said you don't even have to go to court. It's all fine. But then they contacted the TGA and they launched an investigation into that medical company about right. the way they were advertising their products in the Australian market. So I went, yeah, yeah wow, that's, that's a great win for the little health practitioner against the big global medical company. But yeah, wow, that's, that's who, who's I who mean, in the zoo because it was all, you know, legal. And I think, I don't think, I don't know if the um, investigation's complete yet i keep checking every now and then but i can't <laughs> see anything um, but, uh, that, that was really great to see you know that i was able to have such an impact on him because he was really stressed and he had done nothing wrong but he was facing you know potential court case and all the rest of it just because the company was a bit annoyed that you know he wanted his money yeah. back on the dodgy product and, and I've got to admit, that's the thing that absolutely scans the living shit out of me when I feard about like health copywriting, because I know that I'd, I'd accidentally use a turn of phrase or something and it'd, it'd, it'd blow something out the window. But that's that's got to be a really good feeling, though, like that not only have you helped this the little guy, of course, like you said, and, you know, you as a copywriter, you've been able to highlight um, the, the fallacies in a, a medical device and there's some other things that are happening out there in the world. You've affected global healthcare as well, because no. there's this... this hopefully i'm not sure what's going to happen of course with the, with the court case but hopefully through your work you've been able to have a regulatory body effectively scrutinize this company that's making this device mm -hmm. and then potentially off the back of that could turn that that company can no longer make the device or they have to make updates to it or something to make it safer or you know whatever yeah. whatever needs to go through that's that's a huge feeling yeah and they certainly banned the company from selling it in australia um, while the investigation was going on. And I went, good, because, you know, the evidence that they were they were using, you know, they, they had their brochure and they had all these reference studies and all the, you know, it looks really impressive. But when you get into it, some most of the studies had used animals, which you can't use as APRA compliant right. studies when you're talking to patients. You can in a clinical setting, but not in advertising to patients. And then um, some of them weren't even talking about the same kind of device or the same kind of conditions. Oh, or it's, it was wow. really, yeah, it was just not acceptable under ARPRA's umbrella of, of guidelines. And, you know, we have to, as a health practitioner, he needed to have regular, you know, have the, that acceptable evidence on his website saying, this is why I'm using this device because these studies say it's effective and there was none. Yeah, right. right. So there's even like just from the, the you know, regular kind of duty of care sort of stuff that a company would do, like the, the science was a bit, sounds like it was a bit shaky there possibly, or there's some some other stuff in, yeah. in going on there as well. But I think they were using studies that were acceptable in the clinical world because you can't, you know, obviously animal studies and things are acceptable in the clinical space, but um, when you're advertising to consumers, we have to have human subjects and it has to be appropriate to their condition and you know it's very involved but they weren't towing that line and they were not happy that they were pulled up on that no oh, i can imagine i can imagine <laughs>
What about like? Let me ask you a really big question. What are some of the secret weapons or resources that you you like to use every day, or the, the stuff that you use in your your own business? Like, is, is it a particular tool? Do you have a a particular like industry guru that you love to follow and and like you know eat all the words that they they put out or like what? What's yeah, your look, um, I mentioned Google Calendar before. That's like my go-to. How I schedule and that's I'd be you know very lost without my Google Calendar. Um, Tools, I use Hemingway app um, a lot because when I'm creating content, um, we want to make sure that it's written, you know, we, we generally um, aim for a grade six to a year eight level um, readership just so the majority of people can understand. So Hemingway app is really great in telling you, you know, what level it is and where the complex phrases are and how, you know, you can actually edit it in that um, app to simplify your your writing so that's another really good one um and then there's an organization um, based in the us called communicate health um so they are very I, f I follow them and i've shared a couple of their blogs so they're very big on communicating um in the health space in ways that people can understand and, and no no they've done a little bit of work recently on inclusivity in terms of you know um gender fluidity particularly when we're writing about health conditions that might traditionally be you know in those binary genders um so there and they they talk about a lot about how to simplify writing and plain language and so they're another really good place so if there's any other health copywriters listening um communicate health are really great um and then you know loom um videos are fantastic for explaining copy to clients um I know your previous guest mentioned um, Loom videos, um, but that's something that I do as well. It's it's a really good way to step clients through copy and explain why you've done this and why you've done that. And um, it just takes the overwhelm away from them as well, but it also helps sort of build that relationship, that ongoing relationship rather than here it is emailed and there's no personal touch. It's, you know, they get to see or hear me. Um, and it's like having me, you know, on the phone while they read through their copy. So um, they're all a couple of really good tools that I find very handy. Yeah, absolutely. And like you're absolutely right. A couple of other guests have also mentioned Loom. So Loom, if you're actually listening to this, um, yeah, look, you know, hit me up for a sponsorship. I'd love it. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right. So we're coming to the rounding to the end of the episode anyway. But uh, if you could turn the clock back, if you could go right back to when you were first, breaching into the, the lovely world of freelance copywriting. Yeah. What are like three pieces of information or piece of advice that you would love to give yourself as a newbie copywriter? Oh, okay. So um, probably one of the first ones is that everyone with a pulse and a wallet is not your ideal client. <laughs> um, you know, you can't be all things to all people. So don't even try. Um, second one is that niching isn't all bad so it took me a long time it took me you know i've been doing this for 10 years it took me five years to niche um you know there's a lot of benefits to niching which i probably would have enjoyed a bit more but at the same time you've got to be ready to do that so you know not to throw niching out the window just because it sounds a bit scary really think about it and and look at um you know what potential benefits it could have um you know you only have to look at the difference between of salary between a, a gp and a brain surgeon to see um, who makes more money. Um, not that it's all about making money, obviously. Um, you know, I think it's really important to have that work-life balance and to be happy doing what you're doing. Um, and then the other bit of advice, it's a bit more of into the mindset kind of things, is that 
if there are things that you struggle with in your personal life, you're going to struggle with them in your business life. So for example, if you are a people pleaser and you don't like upsetting people or you don't like confrontation or you want everybody to love you, that's not going to transplant, trans, translate well into your business. Um, if you can't set boundaries, if you're always saying yes to people, you know, oh, yes, I'll do that and yes, I'll do this, um, you're not going to have great boundaries when it comes to business either and you're not going to be able to sort of say to the clients, you know, um, you know that that what you're asking me to do is out of the scope of the project. You'll say, yeah, sure, I'll write five sales pages for $500, no worries. Um, so the kinds of things that you struggle with in your personal life you will bring to your business so if they are problematic and you see patterns happening in your business go back and work on those things because the better you are the better your business is um and that's you know i really i've spent a lot of time and and effort working on my own personal development so i can become a better human but also a better business owner and a better um copywriter for my clients as well yeah, I think that that's a, a great sentiment there. Um, having really strong practices and processes, and being able to to and know what you're doing, even at the you know shakiest of times, is is you know something you can fall back on in the business is you know really uh, really key to be able to to run something successfully. It's not all just about being able to sling words. Uh, it's, no, yeah. <laughs> my writing is very much um, you know people think I just we just sit here and type away all day, but. We often, you know, we if we're in our own business, we wear many, many hats. You know, we're a marketer, we're, you know, accountant, we're, um, you know, the timekeeper of, you know, getting things on the deadline and or a whole lot of different things. So um, we have to be pretty well-rounded people and we need to be able to manage different scenarios. It's not just about can you write, can you string words together? Absolutely. All right, Narissa, where can our listeners find more of your brilliant work online? Time to give yourself a shameless plug. Oh, awesome. Well, um, I have a website, melbournehealthwriter.com. So there's lots of information on there about clients I've worked with, some case studies. Uh, and if you're needing more information on APRA compliance, I've got a whole section there. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Narissa Bentley and you will find me. Fantastic. Look, Nerissa, it's been wonderful to have you today. Great to hear from all of your experience, especially uh, around niching, because I know that there's uh, probably plenty of people out there who have got that question in their head, whether they should niche or not. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. All right, Word Wranglers, we've scribbled our way right to the very end of another thrilling episode of The Right Shift. A massive thank you goes out to my guest today, Narissa Bentley. To learn more about Narissa and the amazing stuff she's putting out into the world, go check her links and the links she mentioned in the episode show notes. Of course, none of this would be even possible without the support of our sponsors. And today's special sponsor is copywritingrates.com. You can find out more about their amazing, fantastic, wonderful global freelance copywriting rates survey over at copywritingrates.com. Com. Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to The Right Shift on your favorite podcast platform so you don't ever miss an upcoming episode. And while you're there, if you've been enjoying listening to The Right Shift today, then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you've listened to the show. It helps more people discover the podcast and join our ever-growing community of phenomenal freelance copywriters. But until next time, remember, you've been listening to The Right Shift.